leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. I am excited to be back. I am Renee Brown-Small. I am here today with two phenomenal people. I am here with my co-host, Chris Fallon. Say hi, Chris. Hey, everyone. And our special guest today, Charles Karanja. Say hi, Charles. Hi. <laughs> so this is our new webinar series, and we're super excited to kick it off today because we responded to you all when you uh, we realized that you to hear more about what it's like to break into cybersecurity as a new professional. So specifically for the folks that are under five years experience, we want to know and we want to talk to talk directly to people who've been breaking into the industry right now. And so our first guest today is Charles. He just recently broke into the industry in, did you say June? July. July. So literally less than two months ago. So he is hot off the presses, just broke into the industry. And he is super excited to tell us what he did. And we really want to know all your questions. Exactly. Maurice said it is sizzling. Yes, yeah, sizzling hot. How about the presses? We want to know what Charles did to break into the industry and how he. So, Charles, the first question for you is please tell us about yourself. Tell us about your background and what did you do prior to breaking into cybersecurity? Before cybersecurity, I was um, I was working for a charity. Um, my role as a pastoral officer, um, an organization that has a church and also has many other different functions with it. Um, my responsibilities, apart from helping run run the database system within the organization, I also had different responsibilities, helping out, counseling, dealing with different issues, going to speak in them. Um, uh, in different schools and just managing a team also people that I had. So something totally different from what cybersecurity is. Totally uh, different. I was uh, there for about 10 years. And what about... For 10 years. Wow, 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And what about cybersecurity um, made you interested in joining the community? Before I started working with, um, with the charity, um, I'd really started having an interest. From when I was a young person, I had an interest in IT. And um, growing up, I always used to ask myself, how do we protect people from um, anybody from stealing the information that's there? What goes on? And I never had the opportunity to be able to go to a place, to school, to learn and everything. Just didn't have the opportunity. And then 2016, um, went for a funeral of a friend of my dad and um, sat down and just reflected on the words that he always used to speak. His obituary had those famous words, don't die with your dreams. And I remember coming out of that funeral and thinking and saying, Charles, 
you always have this thing about cybersecurity. You're always interested in any movie with hackers, any series, Mr. Robot, you name them. I'm there looking to see it, learn. Okay, yeah, and I was thinking, I could do that. Maybe I could do that. I could learn it. And um, yeah, 2017 came around, my, getting married, so married, and then my wife was like, okay, let's get this dream on the way now and let's see what we can nice. do about it. And from there, just looked around for how can I learn? Where can I learn? Who can I go to? I didn't know anybody in cybersecurity. All my friends, I asked them, do you know anybody in this? And they were like, what are you talking about? Nobody knows. Nobody does this. Nobody does this. Why do you want to be a hacker? Why do you want to be this? And unfortunately for many of them, they have a negative um, mindset of a hacker and not think about the fact that they can be an ethical hacker. And um, from there, I got the learning people um, and they were great. And they just told me, okay, you can do this. Before that, we had WannaCry. When WannaCry, the ransomware took place, my wife was working in a hospital at that time and everything just came to a standstill here in the NHS. Well, thanks to, I saw some news clip that basically the guy, one of the guys was involved in it has been arrested in the US. Um, mm -hmm. And just WannaCry really was just it. My wife couldn't understand, what's this? And we'll talk about my love for cybersecurity and I was looking for school and everything. But WannaCry was what really drove it home for her when I explained to her what WannaCry was, what, how, how it affected everything, and why, even if you weren't paying those guys, you weren't going to get anything back with ransomware. You'd have to pay a lot of computers for the entire NHS here. Um, yeah. And so from there, the learning people got me on, and they told me, Charles, this is what we want you to do. Since you don't have really IT experience, do you mind learning from the basics? And I said, I don't mind. I want to learn from the basics. I have no issues with that. And so they put me on a, on a course, basically. So I took on CompTIA A+. And then from A+, plus, I moved to Network+. Plus. From Network+, plus, I took Security+. Plus. And then from there, they gave me um, Certified Ethical Hacker course to do. Did that, I passed each exam first time. And from there, they were very helpful. They were like, okay, now... Give us your CV. Uh, the lady there called Kerry who was really like, just bring your CV and let's see this. Charles, we love your passion. What I was expected to cover in one year and a half, I did that in less than five months. Wow. I devoted wow. myself. There was nothing else I was doing. And my wife, having just seen the way I could understand WannaCry, she was like, no, this is your job now. Just do this. Just get up and let's get over with this and let's do this and let's learn and everything. And I mean, at the same time, you're just seeing the jobs being advertised and you're thinking, wow, the jobs will come quickly. It didn't happen like that. Wow. So tell me something. Um, two things. One, is your wife now studying? Is she a cybersecurity professional now? No, too? no, 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 no. She's, she's passionate about public health. <laughs> she's passionate about public health. So we could we could bring her over. She could be like security and public health yeah, or something. No. no. <laughs> okay. Two of us and in this would be trouble. So let's just leave one of us. <laughs> what what were some of the, the challenges that you faced um, breaking into security before, during, and after um, that you'd want to share with everyone uh, going through a similar phase as, as you went through? I think the first challenge is getting people who can easily tell you what you need to learn, what you need to do. Um, I, I found initially the doors I would knock, um, even on LinkedIn, ask questions and 
many people will be like, what are you doing? And even on Reddit, you find some people telling you, do this, do this, do this, but not really the practical side of it. I'm a practical guy. And I'd find sometimes that I can't find people who would be willing to sit down with you to show you this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. But I did, I did get people at the end of the day. Um, the other challenge that really is something people need to have is patience. Patience, if you're an impatient person, cybersecurity is going to tear you down. You're going to get bored. You're going to leave. You're going to run. Um it's not something that I would say is an easy job if you're just looking and thinking, this is it. Don't look at the money that's being thrown about, that people are saying you can easily earn this. You may just go to Glassdoor and just type and see what's the average salary of anybody who's a penetration tester, and they'll give you a nice six-figure for the U.S. Don't do that. Be patient. Patience is the thing. So I have to keep reminding myself. I mean, I got the job started in July and forgot to switch off on um, basically the normal recruiters should look for me. And within a month, I already had recruiters looking for me, offering me, oh, this job, no, you've worked there long enough. You know, the job's always going to be there. And I just had to just tell them nicely and calmly, I believe in first being loyal to somebody and I'm building my cybersecurity experience. I don't want it to look like I'm a rabbit hopping all over. I want to build and build properly. So I think the one of the biggest challenges anybody getting in is going to face is the ability to say no. It doesn't matter what money is being offered or anything. I need to build and build for where I'm going. And if you build yourself properly in a few years' time, you'll be somewhere great, very great. Definitely, definitely. And and keeping money um, not as a motive, because if, if money is the, your motive, um, you could be turned um, to the dark side very easily. So keeping that passion is definitely important. Yeah, that's that, that's very true. Very, very true. Because I had, um, I mean, I've, I had an offer three weeks ago. And when I looked at the money, what I'm making, and what I was being offered, and I was like, no way, I'm not doing this. I'm yeah. going to keep what I'm doing because where I am, I'm in a great organization that's willing to help me learn. They understand that I've just gotten my foot in, and they're willing, and I'm, I'm in a great place. So I'm not looking to move or anything. And, and another thing about money, if you go running for money, very soon people will discover that you're hollow, that you don't really have substance within you. And you get substance when you stay in a place and build and you become established. And then people will be able to respect you more. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, quick question for you. From doing the A plus to getting to the security plus and then the um, certified ethical hacker, you said that took you about five months yes. in total? Yes. Okay. Awesome. And then a question came in from Samuel. He, he asked, he mentioned someone or an institution helping him prepare for his certification? Um, so, an organization here in the United Kingdom called the Learning People. The Learning People in the UK. Yeah. Okay. And I had a lady here who was helping me called Kerry. And for, for some individuals, um, a timeline on that perspective, uh, myself, when I was going through um, a similar transition um, back in 2009, um, I did 
two months for my A plus, two months for my net plus, and one month for my security plus um, back then. So it definitely takes the time and devotion in making sure that you just you understand the material and you're not just going for um, the paper on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. So so because you're going to use something somewhere. Definitely, definitely. Um, Charles, what do you do to keep uh, current uh, now that you have now that you've broken into security um, with the latest evolutions and what's what's happening? Um, how do you keep current? Anybody, anybody who is looking to break in, this question is not just important for how do you keep current when you're in cybersecurity. Any, this is a question I kept hearing um, recruiters asking also, how do you keep current? Make sure you keep abreast with blogs. Make sure um, on Twitter you are following newsmakers in cybersecurity. That's how I got in touch with the two of you. Because I went out looking for different people who are making news in different ways. Rene was out there doing things to do with um, HR. I was looking to get a job. So um, I found that what she was sharing on LinkedIn were things that would help me along the way. She may be across the pond over in the U.S. and I may be in the U.K., but there's certain things that will apply here and there. I can take and make, just twist a few things and see what they can work. And then the few posts that you were sharing, Chris, that would just help me learn, okay, learn about this, learn about this. Um, I would advise anybody, even myself, I keep looking to see what can I learn. We woke up, I really woke up yesterday evening. Um, I'm sure you might have heard about this, but... Um, British Airways discovered that basically there was money, a lot of information, 380,000 people's um, financial information was missing. Now, with the current laws here in Europe, they're looking at a very big fine, very yep. big fine. And in fact, everybody's shaking because if it's going to go the way the law states, they may be looking at a fine of approximately half a billion pounds. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, what about um, from a uh, security aspect? Um, what are some of the things that you would recommend? Um, are there mentors that you've had? Are there um, resources that you've used that you have found very helpful in you breaking in that you wanted to share? Um, um, one of the first things I'd say is look for a local chapter meeting of cybersecurity people around where you are. Um, over in the U.S., you have a bit more than we have here in the U.K. Um, for me, I, I was glad to find that I actually have a massive OWASP um, local chapter meeting here. And um, with them from there, get to go over once a month or twice a month whenever the meetings are on. I just get to talk to people there, get to hear what their stories are, get tips from them. Um, I had never thought about a SOC analyst job until a gentleman came there and spoke about it because I was trying to see where do I get in. I was applying for everything and anything um, from director. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll even go for director jobs. Just they can say no, but at least I'll learn something new from them. And that was just it. And from there, just kept looking around, looking around. As I learned about a SOC analyst from um, a few people who were there, then I started looking and thinking, this could be my way in. I could just go in and apply for this and just see how I can get the job and see what I need to do. Uh, one of the questions right. from um, someone in the audience was um, why you were looking to break into security. How long was your, your job search? 
um, from quote unquote start to until you were able to break in? I um I got my certified ethical hacker exam at the end of October, so November, and then it was in May, end of May, when I was called by my current employer for first interview. So about seven months. Wow, that's that, about, that's some dedication to finding the right role. Uh, I, what I would do is every day I make sure I'd wake up early in the morning and make it my business, my job, my jobs description at that point was i'm looking for a job but at the same time i also got to learn a few things one of the few things i'll tell anybody looking to get into cybersecurity: um get a project do something you you may have heard about hack the box go in there and put it in there you'll be very surprised anybody who's in hack the box um will find that even they in hack the box they're advertising jobs um, just depending mm -hmm. on what qualifications and what you have. So if you can be able to get in there, it will, an employer will look and think, this person is dedicated, this person is passionate. Another thing I learned was over the wire. Um, it was great for me to be able to develop my Linux skills. And over the wire is a great tool to help you develop your Linux skills. Um, there's so many things out there. Currently, even right now as we're talking, I've just begun something called Virtual Hacking Labs um, because I'm preparing for, I want to do OSCP sometime okay. later. Yeah. And having gone mm. through Reddit and asked, where can I do, what can I do? Looked at a few few questions people had raised there. Um, I saw that, well, there are two ways I could learn because everybody says OSCP is such a tough exam. And uh, I didn't want to spend $1,000 and then fail. Um, so I said, I prepare yeah. myself. So um, I, I took the option of um, virtual hacking labs. Yeah, uh, then other recommendations right. might be um, local conferences that have uh, captured the flag type events um, yeah. that actually operationalize uh, your skills. And um, most of those events are run by more senior individuals that are uh, willing and able to help you walk through the, the steps or the the thought patterns needed to um, capture the flag and to help you along the way if you're a rookie or if you're someone that's new uh, coming into the industry. So Charles, a couple of questions that came through, there are three of them. Um, the first one is from Naj Najla. Uh, Self-study for those exams, how much time did you devote to the studying of each exam? My day would just basically consist of um, from nine to five, really. And then mm. um, after we've had dinner or something with my wife, we'll spend some time, just some time relaxing and everything. Um, I'll then put in three hours before going to bed. Yeah. The closer wow. the exams clo got, um, right. the closer, like I remember when I was doing um, the ethical hacker exam, there were days I was pushing 18 hour days. Wow, that's some dedication. Yeah. Wow. Got to do it. It's a dream. When it's a dream, you have yeah. to push. You have to bond the midnight oil. You do what you have to do. So the next question is, how do you determine what you are worth in, in terms of salary? This is from Jesse. In terms of salary, in my experience, I don't see work and ex work experience and education equals salary. 
he's not seen that in his experience. And I can ask the question. I can jump in if you want. Yeah, yeah. go ahead from an HR perspective. Yeah, from an HR Go, go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. For me, um, I remember like when I went for the interview, um, one of the one of the challenges that is there and, um, is that the market is so crazy with, uh, with jobs at the moment. Everybody is asking about the money and everything. And for me, I remember when I went, I already knew what the mean is when you're an entry-level soccer analyst. I already knew what the average is within the UK. And I was pretty surprised when I got much more than what I even was asking for. Don't aim too high, is my advice to anybody. It's better you take the average yeah. and let them surprise you. That's a, that's really good advice. And I would say from an HR perspective, especially nowadays, there's pretty easy ways to find out salary ranges um, to, to see if you're you know, within those various ranges. So one place where I always send people to look for jobs is Indeed, I-N-D-E-E-D.com, because a lot of the times they will have the ranges or the approximate ranges when you look at the job descriptions. Um, another place is uh, Glassdoor. So Glassdoor, typically people say what their salaries are. So there's, a, there's pretty much, you can find information that gives you a range of what a, an early career person is going to be. Um, and when, Jesse, I don't know specifically when you say work, you don't see work experience and education equals salary, typically, um, you know, if the position is, if the position is, you know, zero to two years, they usually go zero to two years, two to four years, and then five years and up. Um, so it's, it's typically salary ranges that kind of fit in that with the experience, with the expectation that most people, most of these companies are asking for a four-year degree. Some don't, but, you know, the expectation is you have a two or four-year degree with, um, you know, a little bit of experience. So that is what I would do anytime you're looking for various roles that are entry-level. And by experience, they mean that you have actually typically works in an organization somewhere um, for one year or for two years. So your projects, your volunteer stuff usually doesn't count um, from a salary perspective. That's what I've seen in the market more or less. Uh, question number three that came in, another one from Jesse was, how did you determine what realm you wanted to work in? That's for you, Charles. How did you determine what area you wanted um, to work in? I sat down and looked around and saw certain things in cybersecurity. One of the things um, I'm appreciating right now is cybersecurity is still evolving. So certain things are not pretty much set in stone. Um, it's not like in accounting, you find that you have a cost accountant, you have a management accountant, you have a financial accountant. Cybersecurity is still evolving in certain parts. Um, but one thing I didn't really want to do so much of was compliance. At the end of the day, I want to be able to be a bit more technical. Um, mm -hmm. But I do appreciate one thing. If I'm going to rise to certain levels, I need to have a certain grasp of compliance. So a SOC role for me would be able to, would allow me to be able to get in and it would have certain things that would be able to teach me certain things. With um, the SOC role, I found that there's certain systems um, companies use, and with all those systems, 
not only is it going to look good on your CV, but it's also going to help you understand all that goes into um, forensics for a database. It's going to help you understand what you need to do. Um, you may want to do a role that's totally different than a SOC role. Many people don't like being a SOC analyst because of the hours. If you're working in a 24-hour, seven days, 365 days, some people don't like that whole thing. And SOCs usually have got one big challenge. After a while, they're constantly recruiting because people are constantly um, leaving them. But uh, I've come to a place of appreciating that a SOC role may be one way of going in. You may also go in as a junior penetration tester, but I find for that within the UK, you need to have at least passed your OSCP if you're going to get any job like that. Okay. So I've also seen, and that's, that's pretty good advice and good information. I've also seen, I'm actually currently working on a couple of entry-level roles and I've seen entry-level compliance analysts. Obviously, the SOC analyst is a really good entry-level role that people have been, um, a lot of folks that have come up in the security space started out in the SOC as a SOC analyst. And for anyone on here that doesn't know what a SOC analyst is, it's a secure, SOC stands for Security Operations Center. Um, so that role, I also have right now, I'm working on a threat intel analyst. And they're also looking for people at the low level. So it kind of depends in terms of the organization, the location, you know, the it's definitely, there definitely opportunities do show up um, for early career talent. Um, it's just really trying to find those opportunities that are out there that will give you the opportunity to learn and grow and realize that every single person isn't going to come in with more than five years experience. Yeah, well, one of the so. advices that I give a lot is um, you can get involved in security and no matter what job you're doing. So whether you're a web developer, you're a programmer, um, you're an accountant, uh, whatever your role is, there's controls and ways to integrate security into that. Um, you also have transferable skills that you can use in those roles that will transfer over to cybersecurity. So yeah. if you're looking to explore your field, explore what, what transferable skills you have in your current role and how those align to other roles in cybersecurity. And that will possibly make your transition easier because you already have skills that are used maybe in a different way. So for example, in a SOC analyst, um, you're looking at logs, you're looking for patterns, you're looking for anomalies. Um, those, those sort of skills can be used in an accounting field. So you're using to transfer those skills over into cybersecurity. And that's one way you can make yourself a more valuable uh, to a, a future company because you can show, hey, these are the skills that I already have uh, from my other roles and that's how they'll bring value uh, to your organization. Excellent. Um, Chris, that's such a valid point. Um, I was in HR and, and moved into a cybersecurity role, played the was a SOC analyst, was a program manager, did a ton of different things, and my leader utilized my HR background. I've been actually interviewing CISOs over the past year, specifically about people that they've transitioned into security. And some of the, the, the awesome people I, I speak with, even, you know, I'm thinking of Gina right now, who I spoke with a couple of days ago, who transitioned from being a private investigator into cybersecurity. 
They've had people who have been poker players who transitioned to cybersecurity, administrative assistants that transitioned to cybersecurity, all because of the different types of skills that they brought to the table. One, one leader, one CISO told me they really liked the, um, the front desk person because of her attention to detail and realized that that type of person would be great sitting as an analyst that could, you know, go through, diligently go through logs. Um, so there's all these different skill sets that can be trans, trans, transitioned into security. So Chris, you know, your point is so valid that you have to think about, sometimes people need to take a step back and think about what they currently have, what they bring to the table and how they, that, you know, the things that come easy to them can fit into the cybersecurity. Charles, I, I know we have um, just a couple of minutes left. Um, yeah. If you had to offer one piece of advice, sage advice to someone um, who's trying to break into security, what might that one piece of advice be? Um, I'm going to say one uh, one thing, but I'm going, first going to tell you this. I I applied for almost 250 jobs before I got to this one. And the key to all this was persisting to see my passion come alive. My advice to anybody out there who's looking to get into cybersecurity, keep your passion alive by being persistent in fueling it. Do whatever you need to do to keep fueling your dream to be alive. Just because you haven't, the door hasn't opened doesn't mean it's never going to open. That was my attitude every day. I would wake up in the morning and keep believing, you know what? There's a door that's going to open for me. So just be passionate and be persistent in that getting that passion to fly. That, that's, that is amazing advice. I was Go gonna ahead, say Chris. that's an amazing okay. advice. And uh, to flip it into the cy cybersecurity perspective, um, you as a defender uh, trying to defend an organization, you have to be persistently defending the organization um, as attackers and criminals will also be persistently trying to get in. They just have to get in once you have to be right all the time trying to defend them. So that persistence will definitely pay off in the long run for you. That's true. Absolutely. So there's a couple of things. I'm, I'm trying to be cognizant of everyone's time. It is 1229, so we're going to wrap. Uh, someone, Lavinia, asked 200 jobs. Yep, 200 jobs he applied to. Uh, Caleb wants to know what are good entry-level jobs after someone obtains A-plus network plus and security plus. So... Uh, like we said, SOC analyst, threat analyst, any role that's a security-focused role or can align to security that is asking for someone that has like zero to one year or zero to two years experience. Um, I also wanted to bring up the fact that next week we have, this is going to be a weekly series. So I'm excited to bring Bernitra Lee. And Bernitra is awesome because she also had a different background. Um, before getting into breaking into cybersecurity. She also just recently broke into the field and she and I had talked numerous times um, about her background. If, I'm, if I remember correctly, I think she has a PhD in electrical engineering um, and then started to transition into the security field. So I'm excited to have her speak with us next week. Um, I'm also, many of you probably have touched base with me a little bit about we are, I'm looking to create a boot camp for you all um, to help you break into security. So uh, many of you, I, I, I think some of you or many of you had been in a part of the 
seven day challenge that went really well. I got some good feedback. I'm still talking to people about feedback and I want to expand it and do some something more, something more in depth and um, something to help you all get to where you need to be, hopefully without having to apply to 200 roles like Charles did, <laughs> getting a little bit more focused. So Charles, Chris, I really appreciate both of you being here. Charles, thank you again for being our very first guest. And I am super excited. I put both of their links, both of their LinkedIn links are on, are in the, um, are in the file or in the chat box. And if anyone has any questions, you guys know how to reach us all. Thank you again and have a great Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye guys. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.